Welcome back for a week 11 recap of a chockety chock chock day. We had players that were highly owned and all of them pretty much went off. If you play tournaments with plus CB lineups, you probably had a pretty rough day yourself. And then we have the most anticipated Monday night football game of the year to break down. I'm excited. Eagles Chiefs. Let's get to it right now. Welcome back to the DraftKings Football Show, hosted in partnership with our friends at DraftKings. I am your host, Justin Herzig, and we are back to recap some football. All right. As is usually the case, when the chalk hits, we have a good day with our cash lineups and a bad day with our turning lineups. And uh, high level, why is that? Well, it's usually because the strongest cash game players, and probably the most people listening to this podcast, end up with very chalky cash lineups. That makes sense in general. The field and website projections continue to get sharper each year. We're usually congregating around that kind of same core. And so when that goes off, those of us who have those chalky lineups, we do well. And the other side of things with GPPs, we're often trying to find those low-owned players that can propel us to the top of contests. Now, yes, we know that the chalky players are probably the most likely to actually perform well. But in the weeks when the chalk hits like this, the leaderboard is extremely crowded. And you need to get everything 100% perfect to finish at the top. It usually turns into 1v1s, which, hey, it's a lot easier to kind of win tournaments when you can play for the weeks that the chalk fails. You have more margin for error. You can focus more in the stacks, the game stacks. And, you know, we see sometimes like, hey, you can have a snowflake in your lineup and still finish at the top. That's not going to be the case in these weeks when the chalk hits. Tiny, tiny edges, tiny, tiny margin. If you look at the team that actually won the DraftKings Million Maker, it was a Brock Purdy, a naked Brock Purdy with two bills. And obviously an early game player in the flex. Like it was just, it, it was one of those where uh, the person who won more power to them. But uh, my guess is they are not, uh, they're not listening to this podcast or uh, heavy in the streets of uh, how to build EV lineups. But you know what? They're the ones that are celebrating with the million dollars. So congratulations to them and not us. All right. And I know a ton of you already probably knew that with regards to the kind of the, hey, Chalky aspects, what happens in cash, what happens in GPPs. But just wanted to clarify for those who may not, or maybe kind of are still kind of, you know, still trying to understand all this little newer to it. But uh, so now how chalky of a day was today, really? Well, if you played the highest owned players at every position, you would have ended up with a full lineup using all your money and scoring 186.82 points. Also, this was the most popular lineup that was played. 3% of the lineups and the $5 single entry double up ended up playing this exact lineup and it's actually what I played as well. I know not really exciting, but yes, it smashed. I won every head to head. I won every doubled up, uh, tied me for 41st place in the $5 giant double up out of, I think 13,793 teams. And worst of all, uh, I did not play it in a single tourney. This is the second time this year that uh, my cash lineup has finished in the top like 0.01%. And uh, I don't play my cash lineup in tournaments. And uh, from a process-wise, I still believe it's the right process. I get like, hey, I wouldn't be dealing with this mental anxiety if I would have just thrown it in something. But, you know, it also wouldn't have won anything. It probably would have 10x. So it is what it is. My tourney lamps were dust because uh, I didn't play that much chalk. So process, result, blah, blah, blah. Let's just get to the lineup. Okay. For the lineup, what did I play? QB, Brock Purdy. Running backs, Brian Robinson, Devin Singletary, and Tony Pollard. Wide receivers were Tyree Kill, Rondell Moore, and Tank Dell. 
Tight end Trey McBride and defense was the Washington Commanders. So starting at the quarterback position, only ever really considered two QBs on this slate. That was Brock Purdy at 5,800 and Kyler Murray at 6,100. Brock was at home going against the pass funnel Buccaneers. He's got all of his weapons at full health. He's got CMC, IU, Debo, Kittle, highly efficient, highly just effective. And uh, it's like a lot of things that we liked about that. And then Kyler was the other one at $6,100. That's normally too cheap for him if he's healthy, given his rushing ability, his big play style. And also really strong matchup against Houston, who we expect to be able to put up points and put up points in a fashion that it's like, hey, fast paced, lots of throwing. Downsides for Kyler, you know, versus Purdy is that he was on the road and $300 more than Purdy. So end of the day, I would have been happy playing either of these. Purdy for me, though, I mean, he had a slightly higher projection, $300 cheaper. So I lean playing him, especially when kind of that money for the other positions worked out quite well. But if I needed those, you know, if I had an extra $300, I would have been fine with playing Kyler. And we'll see at the end, uh, a a very simple 2v2 off of what I played was instead of doing Purdy and Commanders, people went Kyler and then down to the Dolphins. Um, I think that was a strong play as well. I think they were pretty much 50-50 on those. Looking out elsewhere, so Brock Purdy was played by about 40% of people, Kyler Murray 22%. The next highest was CJ Stroud at 10%. And uh it's like, you know, I can you know, I think the field considered CJ Stroud. I mean, you know, so CJ Stroud, I don't know his price right now, but I mean, like, I think when you're just thinking of like, hey, what we've seen out of CJ Stroud recently, his ability, the throw for 300 plus each game, how effectively they're doing it. I don't hate that at all. I just know that he was a bit more expensive. Top of my head, I think he was like 6,900, so approximately $1,000 more than, you know, 1,100 more than we're seeing at Brock Purdy. Uh, so I just wasn't really ready to pay up for that. Um, but, you know, I don't blame those who did. Okay. Running backs wise, with RBs, um, I think there were two major decision points that you know, kind of structured your lineup as well, you know, but specifically the running back positions. The first one do you play Christian McCaffrey or do you play Tyreek Hill? The prices were the same at 9300 It really just came down to kind of, hey, how did you want to structure your lineup? And what do you think about the kind of uh, just like 1v1 of there? I'll, I'll give my take in a minute. But the second question, so don't forget, is if you don't play Christian McCaffrey, who do you play as your possible third running back? Or do you use another position? Because a lot of optimizers were kind of showing, like, maybe this is a double tight end week like we saw recently. Uh, so for the first one, for me, a healthy Tyreek in a plus matchup against Las Vegas is probably the best fantasy football like set you can have. <clears throat> Oof, I'm joking a little. Um, you can you can have in fantasy football right now. And when you you know when you add in that Christian McCaffrey, he was going against Tampa defense. Tampa is pretty solid against the run. Um, you know, yes, you're still going to be effective. We still believe that San Francisco is going to be able to put up points, but maybe it's a little more through the air and such. And uh, with Tyreek going against Las Vegas, we expect them to just throw a ton. Um, I don't know. Just the upside from the DraftKings with the hundred yard bonuses with the PPR. It's just you know I think it's a I think it's a substantially higher uh, play, stronger play than the CMC, and so that's what kind of led me to it. The other is there were strong running backs that like you know that last running back position. You still were able to get a substantial amount of projectable volume. Where if you're looking at the wide receiver, we see more volatility on the wide receiver side. So if you can get someone like Tyreek, where now you're also plugging a receiver spot, which in general is kind of highly volatile, uh, but with someone that doesn't have that volatility, it's extremely safe and substantial upside. That's where I lean on the Tyreek side. 
Okay, so that's for the first one. So now I know I'm playing Tyreek, so I'm not playing CMC. If you tried to plug both in, there were some lineups that you could, but you were playing Rondell Moore and Curtis Samuel. It's really like two of the bottom barrel uh, wide receivers. Remember, price points, a little tough. Uh, so, okay, I'm playing Tyreek. I'm not playing CMC. So I need to figure out, okay, what's up for the third running back position. But before I get to the third, let's start with the first two. For me, the two kind of locks here from running back were Devin Singletary and Brian Robinson. So Singletary, he had the highest rushing prop on this slate after his breakout last week. And uh, he's getting the Cardinals defense. That can't stop anyone. Still no Damian Pierce. At $5,300, this just felt like a lock. Um, just no, can't, can't overthink that. The second lock for me was Brian Robinson going against the Giants. No Antonio Gibson. He's been increasing his receiving workload, especially last game with Antonio Gibson out. And I think this play, what I liked about it is it had multiple outs to really hit as this game could have just been, hey, a ton of Brian Robinson rushes where they're playing from ahead. They're getting short field position. Or maybe they actually, in whatever game script, they continue throwing. Brian Robinson, though, has been efficient in the passing game. And without Gibson, we get increased usage. So we can see this kind of, no matter really how they play it out, I expect that Brian Robinson is still going to be a pretty solid play. And for cash, that's exactly what we're looking for. And this game actually turned out pretty wonky. Giants put up 31 points. DeVito actually threw for, I think, three touchdowns. Um and so Brian Robinson didn't actually score any touchdowns on his side either, but he did get a lot of passing game work. He got seven receptions with 58 yards on top of his 73 rushing yards, and he put up 20.1 fantasy points without a bonus, without a TD, just because of how kind of core he is to that offense, particularly with Antonio Gibson now. And then for Singletary, Singleton also, also had a strong game, minimal in the past in, the, in like the receiving work, which you kind of expect, though, but more on the ground. He still scored 22.8 DK points, had the 100-yard rushing bonus, got the touchdown, never was really in doubt of a play. All right, so now for the third running back aspect. The difficult decision here really lied in that there was no, there was no clear consensus. If you look at the actual kind of, uh, you know, hey, when we flip the cards over, 14% of people decided to play the CMC, 13% went Eckler, 10% went Brees Hall, 10% also went Jerome Ford. But the slightly chalkier option above these at, I think it was 19%, uh, was to go with Tony Pollard. And uh, that's what I did, even though I closed my eyes, held my nose while picking him, but went with Tony Pollard. Why? 6,600. <clears throat> 6,600, so good price point there. He's going against the Panthers. Panthers have given up the second most points to opposing RBs. Cowboys are 10-point favorites. And so we can put aside the efficiency concerns, his goal line struggles, the lack of using him in space, the increased usage of Rico Dowdle, him not being fully recovered from the tightrope surgery, him being on the wrong side of 24, six years old, the fact that he's failed time and time again. Can you tell that I really did not want to play him? But... The price and the matchup and everything was just a better option than anything else out there. So uh, I closed my eyes and uh, I hit the play. I put out a meme tweet or two just to kind of protect myself and just the expectation that this was going to fail. But uh turns out he finally actually got his TD uh, and scoring a whopping 18 DraftKings points. I will be perfectly happy if I don't have to play Tony Pollard again this year. Maybe we can get his price back up above 7000 and I can just kind of... Uh, Say no to Matumbo, that one, no, 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 as we go forward. Um, okay, so those three running backs are where I ended up. Uh, I kind of went through who the others were, but as like it was pretty spread out after Singletary was 64%, Brian Robinson was 46%, and then, yeah, it was that Pollard at 19, and everyone else was kind of 13, 10, 10, 12, and single digits below that. 
All right, moving on to wide receivers. Already explained my CMC versus Tyreek option, so you know I'm playing Tyreek. Okay. But beyond that, the most clear wide receiver play, in my opinion, was Tank Dell at $5,900. He's honestly progressed to a true wide receiver one on an offense that's throwing a ton, and obviously CJ Stroud is throwing very well. He's getting a matchup against Arizona, who, granted, Arizona's not as bad against wide receivers as they are running backs, but it's still not a difficult matchup. Yes, Nico's back, but like, you know, that didn't really concern me. Also, you know, Noah Brown was out, so who knows, good and bad. But overall, I think the more important aspect is Tank Dell has proven that he is good enough to earn these actual targets. He wasn't getting the elite usage, the double-digit targets the past two games just because Nico was out. Um, but because like he is an actual alpha, he's probably the best wide receiver in this rookie class. Um, I, 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 I think like, I think it's a very fair question. And, uh, from like a dynasty standpoint, I wouldn't be shocked if like, he's the number one wide receiver, uh, going forward for this class. Yes. Ahead of JSN, ahead of the other guys as well. Uh, he's been an absolute beast and the talent in the field is not just about opportunity. Okay. So we've got Tank Dellen. Um, oh, field agreed here. Uh, he was played on 56% of teams. That's the highest of any of the wide receivers. I know the last wide receiver, you know, given the pricing level, was likely, again, for me, it was going to be either Rondale Moore at 3,300 or Curtis Samuel at 3,600. Rondale, he has the strong rapport with Kyler. He's in a plus matchup with Houston. He's definitely underpriced, either because it's still lagging from Kyler coming back or whatever it is. I mean, I think he had like four catches or something the previous week. Um, but he's also like a, he's a hard to fail guy given his targets are usually low a dot they're easy to accumulate um so at 3300 those are things we like in a wide receiver play curtis samuel also not a bad play at 3600 but he wasn't as pri- mispriced as rondell in my opinion there's still a risk with anyone in that washington offense of just getting kind of minimal targets because of how much they spread the ball around and there was also the additional risk of hey maybe this is as we mentioned like a heavy run game against the giants um, so that combined with $300 was also you know, important enough that I would have had to probably drop from Pollard to Aaron Jones, from Washington defense to Miami. Um, things are possible, but you know, I, I liked Rondell there anyways. Um, the irony here is that while Rondell had a, you know, a good day for a 3,300 price wide receiver, he did it in the exact opposite way than I, than I mentioned that we expected. Uh, he ended up with one target of the day. And that target was a deep ball that turned into a 48-yard touchdown. Um, what a run good from a one-target standpoint and a run bad if you faded him, like the smart probably fade in tournaments. And uh, on like, I think it was the very first player to actually score in the week two. It was just like right out the gate. All right. Other popular players that were popping. So Tank Dow, 56%. Tyreek Hill, 33%. Rondell Moore, 33%. And then after that, you've got, uh, let's see, people paid up for Amon Ra at 22%. Can never fault that. DJ Moore at 20%. It's not really one that I'm willing to get on board for. I did like DJ Moore with with some Justin Fields stacks. But DJ Moore just is too much volatility in the way that kind of offense works. Hey, obviously, he ended up get there. He got the long touchdown. Um, But 20% of the field playing DJ Moore, eh, I I don't love that play. Um, and then Marquise Brown, 14%, Cooper Cup, 12%. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on tight ends. Tight ends was the only consideration here at tight end for me. The only question I've literally had at tight end is, do I play two? I knew without a doubt that I was playing Trey McBride. Uh, I mean, he's a lock for me given the role since Ertz went down. 
If you looked at uh, Adam uh, Levitan put out a tweet the other week, his expected fantasy points for the last three weeks is 16.1 fantasy points per game. That's second behind only TJ Hawkinson. So that's since Zach Ertz went down and expected fantasy points. And I think if you're in real fantasy points, he's, I think he's number two as well. Uh, but it's just been an absolute phenomenal role. And uh, yeah, $4,400, a little more than we want to pay at tight end on DraftKings. Usually I like to get in that kind of low 3K range. But the thing is, Trey McBride, like, he should be up in that kind of like five thousand, like fifty five hundred type range, um, and I expect even though he didn't have the greatest game this week, uh, I expect if they don't move his pricing, we'll keep playing him going forward until they eventually get him up into that range. Sixty three percent of the field agreed here. Played at Trey McBride. No other tight end was played by more than ten percent of the field. Uh, second highest was Cole Komet at eight percent. Right, and rounding it up with defense. I don't really feel too strongly about any DST this week. Um, commanders are the highest pro- highest projection going into it. You know, pay, they get the Giants. Giants give up the most sacks. Thirty six hundred dollars for the Commanders wasn't really cost prohibitive. Um, you know, I mentioned like I could have saved four hundred dollars. I could have put the Dolphins at thirty two hundred. Uh, I can go all the way down to the Jets at twenty six hundred. Going against Josh Allen, you know, injury, um, interception prone Josh Allen. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't do enough with the money to really get me off the commanders when I was looking at some stuff. Cause I mean, the guy that I probably would have moved off of is Pollard with the dolphins. I could get up to Jameer Gibbs with the jets. I could get up to ETN both. I think, you know, Hey, they're upgrades over Pollard, but I didn't think they were enough to get me off the commanders. Commanders just, you know, was one of those where I expected, you know, them to have a little chalk, but just, they just have such a high floor for a defense going against the Giants because of the sacks. And then I expected that, you know, hey, there's also this substantial upside for if you get that kind of um, you know, strong field position, maybe the turnovers, maybe one of those pick sixes, or you just kind of blank the Giants. I don't know. I felt like it was decent enough. Um, funny thing here, Commanders actually gave up 31 points. They got zero turnovers in the day, but they still got nine fantasy points because get, they got nine sacks against the Giants. Um, and yeah, I feel like obviously that was not the floor case scenario of nine, but that I think like the floor scenario of getting given up, giving up a ton of points, getting zero turnovers. And, uh, yeah, thankfully the still, he's got nine sacks, but insane. Okay. So recap there. My team put up 186.82, won all my head to heads, won all my double ups. Um, and, uh, as we kind of discussed in here, so as for the cut line on those double ups, let's take a look at the single entry cut line versus multi-entry. For those who've been listening to podcasts for a while, you probably already know what, you know, what happened or what I'm going to get to, but, uh, Hey, when the chalk hits and the max entry people do well, the multi-entry cut line is significantly higher than the single entry. We've seen that time and time again, and that's exactly what we saw today as well. The $5 single entry double up was 147.96. The $5 multi-entry double up was 159.46. So 147.96 versus 159.46, a difference of 11 and a half points. Um, substantial. And that's what we see when the chalk hits. The, you know, the pros, the ones who are putting in 150 in all of these, they have more chalky builds. So it makes sense that, hey, they've got chalk, chalk finishes higher, cut line moves. Cut line moves up versus the single entry where Every pro that's playing only gets one lineup, just like every regular Joe out there. All right, enough about the past. Let's look ahead to the big game tonight. Eagles at Chiefs. And tonight we're going to hear nonstop about the Kelsey brothers at least probably 100 times, but maybe we can get some good DFS among all the Kelsey talk. 
All right, Chiefs are home. They're two and a half point favorites, 45 and a half total. Maybe it may seem a little surprising that the total isn't um, you know, isn't higher given the strong offenses of the Eagles and the Chiefs. Um, but honestly, I think a lot of this comes down to how good that Chiefs defense is. And uh, so we'll see. But both teams here coming off their bye. We know how good Andy Reid is off a of bye. He's 28 and four coming off a of bye. That includes the playoffs as well. Um Quite a ridiculous record, and Vegas slightly feels that Chiefs are the favorite here. On the Chiefs side, Mahomes and the Chiefs coming off rather light games, the last two against Denver and Miami, but this feels like kind of a get-right spot, even if it is, hey, first the Eagles. The Eagles have become the number one pass funnel in the league. Uh, They're giving up the fewest points to opposing running backs and the most points to opposing wide receivers, also the fourth most points to opposing quarterbacks, so I expect the Chiefs to play very aggressive, come out throwing a ton, despite how much we've kind of wish cast upon these wide receivers. No one's really been able to separate from the crowd. So for fantasy, I'd probably be stacking Mahomes with Kelsey and then going cheap with someone like Justin Watson. Because it's not that these wide receivers are all going to fail. It's that we don't know who's really going to uh, have the good game among the wide receivers. So why Watson? Well, first off, he ran around on a season high of 71% of Mahomes' dropbacks last games. He also earned a season high for himself of 19% target share. And he's only $2,400. And so, like, hey, when you think of if someone's going to have a chance, we know the Eagles give up points to opposing wide receivers. Justin Watson also has an average at the target of 22 yards. So he's got breakout potential because he just had a you know strong last game. He's got big play potential because a lot of his work is downfield and it doesn't cost you much if he busts only that 2,400. So that's why I like, you know, obviously we know Kelsey. So Mahomes and Kelsey and then trying to find out who that other piece is. And for me, I like Justin Watson. I really don't need to say much about Kelsey other than, I mean, obviously he's always a great play when we expect to be passing. And the Eagles have struggled recently against tight ends the past two weeks. They gave up uh, six, six receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown to Logan Thomas. And then, the week after that, uh, they went seven for 91 yards and a touchdown to Jake Ferguson. Uh, I'm not usually going to use like DB, you know, defensive verse positions for tight ends because there's definitely wonkiness. But I think the larger aspect is just a way to beat kind of the Eagles. And you expect the Eagles to be scoring. So if you're playing from behind, like they're just going to be throwing a bunch and Kelsey's just the you know center of the core of that offense. Okay, on the other side of the ball. Eagles will still be without Dallas Goddard. Uh, last week, Olamide Zacchaeus saw a small bump in his absence, but overall, I think this really just gives us increased confidence in kind of the volume of Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown um, you know, from a passing game. But we really need to keep in mind this Chief de- Chiefs defense is very good. Uh, in my opinion, they're probably top five, I think, outside the clear top two in Browns and Ravens. It's anyone's guess, but I would definitely put them in the top five. And, you know, if any team can run up the score with them, obviously, like, hey, we know how strong the Eagles offense is, but I think we're actually going to see a bit more of a rushing strategy for the Eagles, similar to what we saw the Broncos do with Javante Williams, where, hey, he had 27 touches, uh, 27 rushes as they kept the ball really out of Mahomes' hands in that game and to the success of the Broncos uh, for the Eagles. Swift and Gainwell are really the only two I'd consider playing in a showdown format. I think both are decent plays at their price. Um, both, I mean, you know, in a one, in a, in a one game sample, obviously game can get there. Swift has the higher upside and is the more likely to hit it. 
Um, but I would just you know, not try and get cute with any of the Boston Scots or any of the others. And we'll see actually who's active as a third or fourth running back besides that. Um, extra you know, peripherals. I don't think I'll be touching kickers this week. I, don't know, I expect both teams to really be playing aggressive rather than kicking long field goals. So if you're playing kickers, I think you're going to be frustrated when it's fourth and two on the 30 yard line. And you're like, Hey, just kick that 48 yarder. And uh, they're going forward on fourth and two. And I think that's just going to be a, if you're playing against one of the better offenses in the league with more aggressive coaching styles, yeah, just not, not playing kickers in this. And then DST, probably a pass for me as well. Give me the players. These are mostly an Eagle side, highly concentrated offense. Chiefs, you got some pieces like maybe Kelsey Pacheco Mahomes that are going to be scoring. Uh, I'm, I'm not really trying to save the value and kind of hope for the DST TD here. We'll see. Okay. That is all for today. Hopefully you all had a strong weekend. Best of luck in the streets of showdown Monday night football. We are down to just three weeks left in the best ball regular season that those playoffs start. So very exciting times. If you're interested in an update on the $50,000 bet that I have with Dan Zach, you can check out my tweets from late last week, including uh Friend Diablo did a simulation, ran 10,000 times a simulation of the of our bet based off the current standings to kind of, based off, hey, the remaining four weeks, how likely am I to win? How likely is Dan Zach to win? What is that split down? So that's in a previous tweet of mine. Go check it out. Everyone else, have a great week. Best of luck. I'll talk to you all later.